from Her, the podcast that encourages women and others to embrace their inner multicultural melody. I'm your host, Sochi Hernandez, and every week I sit down to interview what I call Women MOCs, which stands for Musicians of Color, to talk music, career, faith, culture, social issues, and women's empowerment through the MOC's perspective. Tune in to hear their unique stories and advice, both personal and career-wise. 2012 Solti Foundation Award and the 2011 Mozartium Argentino, Mercedes Juan Busoto, pianist and conductor, is a native of Argentina. She began her piano lessons at the National University of Cuyo School of Music and graduated from the National University of La Plata as a Bachelor of Music in Orchestra Conducting. She furthered her studies at the Teatro Colón Art College, where she received a Master's of Music degree in Opera Conducting, of course. Additionally, she holds a master's in orchestra conducting from my home school, California State University, Northridge. From 2008 to 2012, she worked as a coach, pianist, and assistant conductor for the opera season at the Teatro Argentino in La Plata, Buenos Aires, as well as accompanist at the Teatro Argentino's opera studio. She has extensive experience as a pianist, performing in and around Argentina, Italy, and Canada. She has worked alongside international conductors such as Dante Ansolini, Rodolfo Fischer, and so many others. She moved to Los Angeles in 2013 and is currently Opera Music Director at the Opera Program in Santa Monica College, Opera Music Director at California State University Northridge, and Opera Music Director, Conductor, and Chorus Master with Center Stage Opera. I mean, what can't this woman do? She does everything. <laughs> and I have been so blessed to have her as one of my most inspiring mentors. Whether you are a Latina, musician, aspiring conductor, or even non-musician, you won't want to miss this episode. For the next 45 minutes, I dive deep into the life of Mercedes and how it shaped the career she has today. Listen and learn as she addresses being a female conductor, machismo and what that is, tips to being an effective leader, and what it means to be a servant to music. Mercedes, thank you so much for being on my podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. You're my first victim. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me, Sochi. So you are the CSUN Opera Music yeah, Director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in charge of choosing the opera with the voice faculty, casting the opera, mm -hmm. so being in auditions, hiring musicians if, that, if that's uh, needed, uh, and then rehearsing the singers and the orchestra. That, so that's a lot of work. It is. It's a lot of work, especially if you don't have any help. Uh, I'm very lucky because the students are wonderful and I'm always ready to ask for help. Mm -hmm. so, How many hours are you here, would you say, at season a week? Rehearsals are nine hours a week. On top of that, you have to add coaching, one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one coaching. Uh, so you make sure the singers are ready. And all the preparation, I usually do all the preparation at home. Uh, because I don't really have a an available office. <laughs> mm -hmm. I share the office since I am a part time. I share the office with a few other full, uh, part time faculty. So the preparation it's usually a lot of time. Scheduling it's a nightmare, and it takes hours and hours because you have to coordinate 
all the stuff, all the singers, and, and that's a lot of time. And then by, by the time the singers are ready and you have to work with the orchestra, making sure the parts uh, and all the materials for the orchestra are ready, that's another interesting part of the work. <laughs> right. That takes hours and hours and making sure there are no mistakes because the t- time is t- time is money. Can we talk about a little bit where you were raised, where you were born, where did you go to school when you were little? So I was born in Argentina, in Mendoza, which is Mendoza is a town uh, west, nearby Chile. I was born there. I went to school there. At the age of eight uh, or seven, actually seven, I started my piano lessons. It was very funny because I mean, no one is my, no one in my family is a musician. But I remember, I don't know if these are dreams or what, but I have memories of myself seeing pianists, watching like a. I'm not sure if movies or, or concerts or what. I have a very clear memory. I remember. I was in the balcony and in front of my uh, house, all this moving company, they were moving uh, pianos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this new music school was in front of my, my house and, and it, I, I probably drove my mom crazy. I, and she took me there and I, that's how I started piano lessons. Oh, Yeah, so then um, when I was 14, 15, I did a competition for young conductors and I won. <sighs> Yeah. What was the name of the competition? Do you remember? It was in Mendoza with the or, uh, with the La Orquesta Nacional de Cuyo. So it's basically the university orchestra. It's it's a professional orchestra, mm-hmm. and it was a very simple competition for teenagers. Mm-hmm. But that changed my life. Mm-hmm. That and the fact that I f- I went to a concert, and the conductor was a woman. Her her name was uh, Lydia Macho. She's a Brazilian. Conductor, mm-hmm. and she's uh, a pretty prestigious conductor in South America. Mm-hmm. She's probably in her fifties now. And at the end of the concert, I, I went to talk with her, and she was like, "Okay, if you are doing this, it's hard. It's hard being a woman conductor." And by that time, it was harder because that was in the nineties. I mean, not that it was too far away, but believe it or not, twenty years ago, or. 30 years ago, it was a different story. Mm-hmm. Now it's much easier and it's not so uh, crazy to, mm-hmm. to hear about women conducting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then those two things, the competition and the fact that I saw that concert with Lydia Maggio made me think about if I want, because I was a pianist, mm-hmm. uh, but I always, I was in love with the orchestra, orchestral repertoire. I was not an opera person by then. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so then... Um, I told my mom and we moved to Buenos Aires and then I started my bachelor's in uh, orchestra conducting. Mm -hmm. Then my very good friend, she was a singer and we were uh, making music together a lot when I was doing my bachelor. And she told me, have you ever thought about doing your master's in opera conducting uh, at the Teatro Colón, which is one of the most important opera companies in the world? So I did. I, I went there and I did my master's in opera conducting. And that basically changed my life because I, I, I became in love I, with opera and singers. And I basically stopped doing a orchestral mm-hmm. symphonic repertoire and just uh, dedicate entirely to opera mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, vo- and vocal music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was finishing that, that was the, a three years program. One of the, the professors there, he was the chair, the, the general director 
of one of the opera companies in Argentina. There are two. One is the Teatro Colón, which is the most important one, and the second one is the Teatro Argentino, which is a, a pretty important uh, opera company. He was my professor. It's the Teatro Colón uh, Institute. He asked me to audition for the opera company. So, so I did, I auditioned. So I, I started working with them in 2008. And what was your position? So my position, my in Argentina, that's called on, in Europe too, Maestro Colaboratore, which means it's kind of a collaborative pianist, but you, your duties are pretty open. You're, you you have to, you are a rehearsal pianist. You, you might be called to be an assistant conductor and, and help with anything that the conductor needs. Also, you can, in Argentina, they call it, it's an Italian word, it's buttafuori, which means buttare it's to push for it's outside mm-hmm. so basically behind the scenes on stage mm-hmm. off stage making sure all the singers are ready to come in mm-hmm. and queuing singers for important things that's what i remember that was super fun to do because it was not too hard and you can also be a lighting assistant i mean there are so many so many things you can do when you're as you know because you're an opera singer yeah uh, in order to produce an opera yeah in the moment of the performance there's Seven billion people behind the scenes making sure singers <laughs> yeah. are protected mm-hmm. and, uh, and things are happening. So uh, Maestro Collaboratore basically is that you're there ready to go. And it was a pretty tough and wonderful opportunity for me because I got to do a lot of like standard repertoire. I work with a lot of international conductors and, and directors, inter- interesting personalities. <laughs> and then I learned how to make an opera happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I've, I don't feel so overwhelmed here. At CSUN. At CSUN or at Santa Monica College, which, I mean... Yeah, you also, basically, basically besides working at CSUN, you also work at Santa Monica yeah, College. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I don't feel so overwhelmed because I know all the things need to be done and sometimes you don't get a lot of help. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of being super organized and have a lot of patience and, and make sure you you know how to delegate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. things can be done by students or by community members that are around you right just they need clear directions right mm-hmm. and you just need to ask yeah right what were some of the obstacles that you felt you faced in your education and when you started to realize okay this is what i want to do i want to I mean, did you always know that you wanted to be a conductor? I think I decided when I met this uh, woman, Lydia Maggio, and when I won this uh, that, that competition for teenagers. Did you have to conduct in the competition? Yeah. Oh. I always felt... A musician is hard because the piece that you spend 97% of your time practicing, mm-hmm. learning the repertoire, and 3% performing it. Right. Or, or should I say 80% practicing... 10% rehearsing and the rest performing. So you really have to love all the, pro- the learning process and the rehearsal process. And mm-hmm. I was, I remember, I really loved first I reading and le- learning new repertoire mm-hmm. when I was very young. And I loved the fact of uh, the, the making music with people. Mm-hmm. I was not uh, very happy when I had to be by myself. Right, and so you never wanted to be like a recital pianist, like for, all by yourself. For a while, when I was very young, I, that was the only option because right. we have to remember it was Argentina in the 80s or 90s. There weren't a lot of options. Yeah, I was not very exposed to a lot of orchestras. and mm-hmm. we, I remember we were, 
we, we had only two orchestras and tickets mm-hmm. were very expensive. So it was, mm-hmm. I didn't have, it's not like now that you like basically can access to anything mm-hmm. online. There was not the internet. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the library and listening to the large discs. Oh, the vinyl records. I, yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what they were that's, That was all I had. Mm-hmm. You would uh, go into the library the and library. listen to the yeah. records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, symph- yeah, that was the only way I had access to uh, symphonic repertoire. And then after that, I, I remember I could go to the library and, and pick up wherever I wanted. And, and first I read. So that was my that was fun for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very shy, so I didn't really have a lot of friends. And I didn't go out. It's not like now that teenagers go out mm-hmm. at 10. You were very focused yeah, and I, dedicated I, to yeah, your music. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like a, in the house playing all day and I didn't mm-hmm. really know anything about the outside right. world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you, when you said you weren't really exposed to a lot of orchestral music or symphonic music, is it because nobody in your family were musicians or were there certain limited resources that you had? Both. Uh, my mom, she was um, loved Sarzuela. Oh, mm-hmm. so I was exposed to to a lot of sarsuela, uh, but not really symphonic repertoire or opera. And then the only two orchestras that we had in Mendoza were the La Orquesta de Nacional de Cuyo and La Filarmónica. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, I went to all the concerts they had since I remember. I'm, 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 my mom probably took me, but that was it. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine a town, a small town in the 1890s, no internet. Only two orchestras. My mom was not a single mom, but, but she was kind of a single mom because my my dad was he didn't really participate in anything. They were together for a while, and then they they got divorced when I was fifteen. So, so I I managed my way to to learn the repertoire and to and to stay connected with music. Pretty much on your own. I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. I had wonderful teachers, and they inspired me a lot. Very old fashioned. Right. Who would you say are your biggest influences? So my first piano teacher, I don't even remember her name, but she was very sweet and really patient. And for some reason, I remember her with a lot of uh, love. She's, she was super patient. She had this uh, passion about music and teaching. And that's super hard to find because a yeah. lot of wonderful performance, performers are not necessarily good teachers and mm-hmm. they, they don't know how to communicate or how to teach the... Because being a musician, it's not just learning the technique mm-hmm. but for me it's a way of living mm-hmm. uh, it's a philosophy because you're a musician it's not like any other profession or most of the other professions you're a musician your whole life and right it's not like nine to five and yeah. then you put that away and when it. then you go home yeah and you have your life it's yeah. like it goes with you throughout your life yes and you are and you change and your and your music changes because you change so it's a con- it's a constant change. You're in constant develop. So she taught me that there was something about her teaching. And then of course my mom. Mm-hmm. She raised us to be very strong and very independent because she came from a very machista family. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily her family, but my father's family, uh, where women were not considered. I don't know how to say it, so it doesn't sound too bad. But basically, you can say whatever you want. Uh-huh. <laughs> So um, women basically were, they don't necessarily need to get educated. Mm-hmm. They just need to find a nice husband or a husband and make babies. Yeah. Basically that like 
very old-fashioned and they don't need to be in love or anything it's just no it's just find a man to serve kind of yeah was your mom educated my mom was very very well educated but educated but she always wanted to have a family and Mm -hmm. basically the the moment i was born and then my two other sisters she dedicated entirely to raise us Mm -hmm. Uh, and the fact that she lived through that uh, it was some kind of system women were like you are born you're raised to you learn how to do all the house uh, duties and then you get married and then have babies and next and that's that's how she was raised and she didn't want us to to be like that so mm-hmm. she, she basically we learned all that of course but she also taught us to be very independent very strong and that's why i'm very proud of that because it's uh, yeah as a woman when i started conducting it was tough but not anymore now women are getting, getting a, a little, little better, better. Yeah. because of everything that we have been going through yeah. politically and socially yeah. but it's still it's it's still in the in the back in the background and somehow in the uh, in the culture and it's unconscious the, the little bit i still feel about all the machismo and like uh, prejudices are are in the culture and people are not very conscious about it right it's it, that's what you call systemic so, yeah it's something exactly, that yeah. we've experienced for generations and for yeah. generations and centuries that it's not something that all of a sudden it changes it's because it's something in our culture especially in our latino culture mm-hmm. the machismo i remember him saying if you like a very ignorant well, why are you studying piano if you, i mean that doesn't that, that won't get you a husband or things like that oh, mm-hmm. but never pay attention to him that's probably because my mom didn't pay attention to him neither so mm-hmm. she was very strong <laughs> That's and, good. And, yeah, I'm fine. And that's where you get it from. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So talking about the systemic uh, thing we were talking, the difference between 40, 50, 60 years ago and now is that now people are open to see that systemic thing. And as soon as you point it out, you're in front of an orchestra. And there are ways of pointing out those prejudices in a very subtle way. And that's the best way of it's focusing on the music and being very efficient and the more you pay attention to those things, the more alive they become. So I'm not saying that as if you're a female conductor and you're there and you're seeing all those attitudes. I'm not saying that you should ignore that, but you, should, you shouldn't you should pay attention to that. I believe that everything you pay attention to, it grows. Right. Mm, exactly. And then you're wasting time. And time is money again. So. <laughs> Especially in this industry. In this, yeah. In yeah. This, and you know what? In this country, because all the orchestras here or most of the orchestras are are private, privately funded. We're in Europe or in South mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. The government pay, pays mm-hmm. for it. So mm-hmm. you don't feel as much rush there mm-hmm. as you feel here. Here right. it's like... Yeah, in the United States. Yeah. Did you encounter any machismo when you were in Argentina, when you were in your career over there? What were some examples if you did? Not really, but I was in a position that I didn't really... I was not in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. I was a collaboratore, so you basically follow order. You don't get to be a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw things that I didn't like, mm-hmm. but those things happen here too. It's not a surprise to it's you. It's not a Latino, South American thing. Mm-hmm. It's just the son of the, I don't want to give names, but the son, the son of whatever pers- personality gets mm-hmm. a job be- mm-hmm. because he's connected. The politics. Poli- yeah, politics. The politics, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that your career... And life would have been very different if you stayed in Latin America and Argentina. Yeah, 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. How so? You never know, but my dream was going to Europe because Europe is... It's, That's like yeah, the deep place yeah, yeah, for yeah. Uh, opera. Yeah. <laughs> Things didn't happen that way. I met my husband in Argentina and, and then I moved here. But So if I could, if I could have stayed in Argentina, opportunities there, if you're a conductor, are limited. Mm -hmm. Not not because I'm a woman, but because there are few, fewer orchestras mm -hmm. and con the conductors leading those orchestras are basically mm -hmm. male male and older mm -hmm. why are there fewer orchestras why do you think you have the top two three orchestras and then a few little ones little ones that are kids like at, in different like, pueblos and, yes, and stuff yeah mm -hmm. it's not only like here you have there are so many there's uh, an orchestra per city yeah <laughs> yeah and new new conductors are uh, creating new orchestras all the time and mm -hmm. even even like groups that get together and perform right like, mm -hmm. that, like those innovative creative yeah. orchestras yeah. getting fundings in Argentina is very hard because it's like it's a country that is in constant uh, economic crisis so um, I think it was good for me to come here mm -hmm. uh, it was good for my, for my career um, because of all the economic crisis yeah, in Argentina? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And when do you... And was that your whole life or was that under certain it was regimes or... It was good and bad. It's always like you get like a few years of good governments and, and prosperity and th you, things look better and go better and then things change and there is mm -hmm. crisis. And I think like all South America is like that, mm -hmm. unfortunately. I mean, if you are trying to put together to your career and to, to bring it up and and to you want to continue growing and there are like economic crises that's like a it's a big obstacle uh, obstacle yeah so that's something that doesn't really happen here right unless you are really uh poor mm -hmm. but you still are able to have a lot more opportunity yeah. than you would have in argentina yeah because of all the economic yes. crisis and upheaval mm -hmm. Yeah, and then so you moved here because you, you and your husband moved here. And then how did you get working here at CSUN? So I I remember I came here, in, I moved in January 2013. Mm -hmm. Like two or three mo months later, I met um, Shira and Dylan Thomas. They are the directors of uh, Center Stage Opera. Mm -hmm. now, now it's Valley Performance Opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started working with them, and like one month later, Janelle Stefano from Santa Monica College, she's the opera director there. She called me to 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 work on the op for the opera program at Santa Monica College. And after two years of doing that, of course I'm still there. I I wanted to apply for a few jobs here, and I by doing when when I was in the process of applying, I realized my masters from Argentina from the Teatro Colón. The, the one in opera conducting was not considered a master's here. Oh, wow. So oh that was goodness. like, uh, I wanted That's to punch so... everything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't imagine you went through all of that education yeah. in Argentina and then you have to. Yeah, but it's very well known that most of the um, degrees you get abroad are, are not considered the same here. Hmm. You know what? It's Everything happens for a reason. So then I said, OK, when. What's the closest university I have that has a good program and a good orchestra conductor and a good orchestra uh, that is not too expensive, that I can mm -hmm. manage to work 
because at Santa Monica College, it's a part-time, right. uh, but it's a lot of like work at home. Mm-hmm. So then, and I live like four miles away, so then I, I contact Dr. Rosinho, which has been a wonderful mentor and and friend. Dr. Rosinho, the, yeah, the orchestral the, conductor. The head of the orchestra area. Yeah, here at, at CSUN. Mm-hmm. So I, I came here and did my master's in uh, uh, conducting. I finished earlier because I, I really couldn't afford the four semesters. Uh, so you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking done, yeah. all these classes all at once so I can just get out yeah. of this. Thing. So I finished in three semesters and then... Uh, That's relatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Rosinio called me to... He was the the head of... I mean, he was the right. musical director, the music director for the opera. Yeah, he when was I, still conducting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that during Mary Wives of Windsor? Mary Wives. Because I remember that's how I met you. Yes. Because he was our conductor, and he had your your position, the opera director. And then that was my first opera, the Mary Wives of Windsor. that was your first one. Yeah, I was. I was like a little chorus member. And then, you know, for the chorus, we needed somebody to, like, rehearse us and, and, you know, help prepare us. And he said... This is Mercedes. She's amazing. She's gonna <laughs> be the one who's basically the, teaching you everything. Yeah. And yeah. then you that you worked with a chorus a yeah, lot. I love choruses. Opera choruses is my favorite. I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me very happy. It's probably the part I enjoy the most when I prepare the when chorus. I, when, yeah, when I do an opera. After you got your master's here, there was an opening. Mm-hmm. And then you applied yes. for the season opera director. Yes, which is yeah, which is uh, just a temporary position. So this is the first time a woman and a Latina is in this position, correct? Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how does that feel? I mean, especially the fact that we do have a lot of Latinos here at CSUN, mm-hmm. and we do have a lot of Latinas in the music department, which is unlike. A lot of other music departments in other cities or in other Mm -hmm. schools and other conservatories, you know, maybe there's not as much diversity. Mm -hmm. And yet for a while, we were kind of having the same thing where and it's not a bad thing. It's just what is that our a lot of our faculty or our directors or conductor was, um, you know, a male and a white male. And yet now you're the first female Latina in this position. So how does that feel? I feel great. I feel like at home here, there is no difference between um, how I felt in Argentina in terms mm-hmm. of family and here. Mm-hmm. It feels wonderful. And it's not only Latinas or Latinos, uh, but the diversity is amazing. And I yeah. love that because... Uh, we every, have so much diversity yeah. here. And every student is different. Not that if there there is no diversity, they are not different, but they come right. from different backgrounds and cultures and they bring their own ideas and ways of making music mm-hmm. and that's why i don't know if you remember i mentioned i love choir uh, chorus rehearsals mm-hmm. i particularly love love that very much because when you're rehearsing a group of singers then the fact that you're a leader doesn't mean that all the musical ideas have to come from from you mm-hmm. your responsibility is to encourage all the individuals in the company all so they can find their own voices musically and by sharing that with each other, you can create a concept. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what you're giving to the to the public. Mm-hmm. And if on top of that you add diversity, diversity to that, mm-hmm. can you imagine? It's still it's coming from different countries. They have been trained differently, mm-hmm. and they have different approaches and different techniques mm-hmm. uh, and ideas. And I cannot give you any example right now, but it's amazing how I know it's because it's different training. And when you put all all that together, it's it's magic. It's right. And then with singing, it's you know our instrument is our voice, mm-hmm. and we're telling a story with our body, yeah. with our voice, and with with everything. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like being a Latina in this position, you have any obstacles? And if so, what were they? Very lucky because here at season I cannot feel anything, any kind of uh, like awkwardness and discrimination and things against. Latinas. Yeah. I just cannot feel anything. It's wonderful and I'm super grateful. My only uh, experience has been when I had when I had to conduct like uh, orchestras that are not student orchestras Mm -hmm. but uh, like orchestras that they had to pull together and Mm -hmm. that's like again you get a lot of different kind of people in those orchestras different ages male female diversity also. And it's always the first to, the, I mean, the first rehearsal when they see, it's not, I'm not sure if it, this is in my imagination, but I feel some kind of, uh, oh, so you, are you the conductor? Oh, <laughs> when is the conductor coming? Uh, oh, you are the conductor. So it takes, <laughs> and, and, and it's not necessarily, um, it just, they don't mean to do that. It's, it happens. Not It's natural. And it takes like a few minutes. If you have the right charisma, the right energy, and if you're willing to make music happen. I mean, I always, I think I always say this, but I believe as a musician, and especially as a conductor, you are a servant. You are a servant yes, of music. completely. And uh, if you have that in your in your front head and you don't forget that, then you, nothing can interfere. Right. I have been in situations, in awkward situations, and musicians are like, they basically don't respect your position and, or your ideas. But it goes away super quickly mm-hmm. with patience, caring, and, and strength. Mm-hmm. I think when some, when, you know, like that, that example you said when, you, when you're conducting something mm-hmm. and then someone goes, oh, you're the conductor. That I think that really stems from the systemic. Yeah. I'm trying to find the translation and from spanish to english but like that machismo Mm -hmm. that kind of like male dominant thing that we have not just in our latino community but like in the world Mm -hmm. because historically what have we seen yeah a male in power and leadership and yeah Mm -hmm. um and so that's where that's what we talk about when we talk about the non-conscious and systemic ideology that we have in our yeah. culture. So I think that... But you know what? I I don't know if I'm naive or what, but it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. It's not that they come there and mm-hmm. they have that attitude. It's not their fault. They were they were raised like that. They mm-hmm. were in a cult. They live in a culture like that. So it takes a little patience and compassion out from the leader. So that's mm-hmm. that's why you're a leader. You you understand all those like psychological and cultural things that are going on in a group. And that's very complicated because everyone is different. So you mm-hmm. understand that and you you have the tools, the emotional intelligence, the technique, the patience and the compassion to to maneuver that so uh, it's positive and it changes. 
mm-hmm. and and finally at the end of the day we are all serving music right um, and the composer right i'm very grateful i mean i don't know how how it feels to be a male in that position but i'm grateful i'm a woman uh because i i get to explore and i get to go through all those dif- difficulties if you think about it yes i'm a female conductor but Think about it. A male conductor is in front of an orchestra, and there are another. There are other kinds of prejudice against male. Imagine for a second. Let's say that you're a male conductor and you are very emotional, mm-hmm. and that's not allowed. Neither. I mean, you guy needs to be like strong right. and powerful, and right. and so so those kinds of pressures yeah. that we put on males too. Yeah. So if I I I couldn't focus too much in being a female latino woman conductor but being a human being a leader you're a human being and you're a leader and you're ex- you have to work with all these kind of energies culture uh, backgrounds and prejudices mm-hmm. and and also something that is very important it's that especially if you are a, a freelance musician that you basically get paid very little you have to fight for gigs you have to travel a lot especially here in los angeles you get a lot when you're a when when I'm there in the podium and I'm I'm with those orchestras, I get a lot of these like uh, office musicians that they come and they're like, oh, one more gig. Mm-hmm. So that's something that is that's a, probably the most challenging thing for me. Uh, how to transform that energy? Mm-hmm. Because if you're a musician, you're there and you have a responsibility. Your responsibility is to change humanity. Even even though you are one single one single player in in a full orchestra, mm-hmm. and we forget that when you when we are doing when we are gigging, going mm-hmm. from one gig to the other, and like mm-hmm. we are like we have to deal with different conductors. Sometimes conductors who don't care, right? So those are the main challenges. Eventually, the the, the music music has music is something. It's an entity for me. It's something that. It has uh, its own personality and strengths and, and, and it carries through anything. So at the end of the day, or music wins. So it's just being patient, making sure th- things happen naturally if you do the right moves. Yeah, música sin fronteras. <laughs> oh, for those who don't speak Spanish, it's um, music without borders, you know, because I completely agree that that's why music is the most powerful thing in this world because it, it brings together all these people. Mm-hmm. What, regardless of what you've gone through, your background, your culture, your gender, whatever, and it's able to empower you. Yeah, and when you're doing, when you're making music, you forget about everything. You, you uh, it's you are whatever you are, and you make music with that. But at the same time, your energy and your brain, you're you're not thinking about your all your problems and your all your conflicts and obstacles. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. just thinking about music, and that's mm-hmm. wonderful. That's why mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So do you ever get nervous when you're going to conduct? I feel, when I'm about to, to conduct, I feel like all oh, this energy. You know when you are, yeah, if, like this energy that wants to explode, and you have to keep it all together? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I can't even imagine. I would be so stressed trying to conduct a whole orchestra of people because you're responsible for all those people but also they're responsible for themselves and also it's not that you're responsible for you're not responsible for individual people you're you're you have to keep the whole entity the whole thing together as one group it's a group right 
And yeah, I think it's probably overwhelming if you think like that. If you say, oh my God, I have to keep 40 musicians together. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> You have created, you have rehearsed them, you have created a concept, you have that concept very clear, and your job is to protect the, st the singers and to make sure they have a great time. Mm -hmm. In an opera performance. Yeah. So then if you don't think about it as, oh, I have to keep 40 musicians all together, because you said that's too overwhelming. So what do you, what, what do you think about? What I always think I am there to protect the singers and to make sure they have a wonderful time. So I'm basically, I probably, I don't know. It's a mom job, probably. I'm like that time I messed up my um, my recit in the opera. Do you remember that? I, I'm so I. You know what? I forget. That's why I, I just keep going. Right. You just you forget because you're in the moment and you you just have to keep going. No, but no. I remember it was this last opera, and I'm totally giving myself away because I don't know if anyone noticed, but it was in <laughs> Limpresario, and I was on stage. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, yeah, and I. Come, I don't. I've never you done that out. before. <laughs> I never messed up, and then all of a sudden, I forgot my entire recit, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, yeah, uh, that, that happens." I mean, <laughs> that probably. Ha I mean, that happens in professional opera companies too. So it's uh, we are humans. We make mistakes, and we forget, and we get nervous. And I love fixing problems, and I I love that adrenaline that mm -hmm. creates. Uh, I mean, the, the life thing, and that no. takes like such a talent for you to be able to say, "Okay." I think of this right now. Um, there's this problem. I have one second to fix it. <laughs> yeah. And figure it out. Yeah. The funniest thing is when singers skip music and you have to... Uh, most of the times the singers realize and they come back. But you have one second to uh, figure out if the singer will realize and come back. Or you have to move the orchestra so with the singer. With the singer, so you have to basically double the the speed of the, the orchestra. Oh my gosh! So I you can't even imagine. <laughs> so scary. So that's the scariest. And that's scariest. And I have been there, not not at Cisan or Santa Monica, with a professional orchestra. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, here we go. And I just start moving <laughs> the orchestra, and finally we were together again. It's like you are in two parallel worlds. The singer is singing one thing and the orchestra is doing one thing and you have to put them back together mm -hmm. but you, we have one ear in one in the singer and one ear in the orchestra and at the same time you see the singers because the orchestra is always paying attention to the conductor mm -hmm. that's your job but sometimes the, or the orchestra I mean imagine you're three hours in the pit following a mm -hmm. conductor you just get distracted sometimes you don't look and you have to in one second grab all the musicians attention and they look at you like oh my god what's happening and they are like looking at you like, like okay mom, you're still here us, mom please <laughs> that's so i mean it's like it's like probably i, I think that's exactly what happens we're all thinking mom please help us you know <laughs> what do we do what do, what we, do? we do um yeah that's exactly what happens yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's... and not to mention you're you're doing all of that but also here at csn you do extra things that you do not have to do i mean you got in contact with the journalism department to do uh, our multimedia where, you know, the that class, like they filmed a documentary on us, they did interviews, and then what was it? Was it Univision or Telemundo that came to interview you? I was um, Telemundo. Telemundo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they came to feature you because you're a woman and a Latina and you're doing amazing in this and doing all of these things here and um the basic basically the biggest challenge when you're in a, in, in an opera setting mm -hmm. like here at season mm -hmm. university when we are collaborating with when we are doing the the, op the opera production with the theater department they do all the uh 
uh, advertising. Right. And, yeah. But when we're doing the opera by ourselves, just a music department, we don't get anything. So if you think about it, an opera company, all the stuff, now that you're doing that internship, you probably mm-hmm. know a little better. Yeah. At LA Opera. At LA Opera. Yeah. yeah. All these people behind that are like staff taking care of who knows. I mean, and, yeah. And here at season, we, we don't have any. No, at LA Opera, we have a million departments for and for every kind of, you know, marketing, the social media, the you know the posters, the development, the money. You know all it's of that. Huge, and at, yeah. here, it's just us. It's yeah. just you. It's the, the stage director and the music director and the and the students. So that's why I was like, okay, how do we do this? When I first, when in, in, during my first semester, before my first semester, okay. So then I contacted uh, David Blumenkrantz. Uh, he's a professor at the photojournalism department. He's awesome because he's so open to collaborate mm-hmm. and, and create new like. It's not about departments in in the university. It's about how the departments work together so they create a real experience because things in the real world don't happen uh, uh, isolated. Right. When you go to the real world, it's not just the music department. Mm -hmm. Like you said, LA Opera is like music department, photojournalism department, marketing department, economic, uh, wherever department. all people, all these people from different backgrounds with different uh, degrees are working together to produce to to make the opera successful. So mm-hmm. since we don't have that here, but we have all the departments, why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's been so good. I hope we do that every year. Yeah. Every, every I'm semester. Blind. I'm planning on doing it. What is something you wish you knew when you were younger? Nothing really. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds bad, but you know what? life comes to you the way it comes and it's different for everybody and you have so you're for, rolling with it yeah and, and that's the purpose of life you learn as you go mm-hmm. so my mm-hmm. life I am like I'm the person I am because the, because the life I had I mean giving advice I, I'm not very good at that I mean what's my biggest advice if you are so good at that <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what what would you what advice would you give I to people so. that are listening? Someone who maybe they want to be in a position like you. Um maybe they're also a young woman like myself. I mean, I look up to you. Um honestly, you inspired this project. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> because I just knew that there's people like Mercedes, there must be other people out there like Mercedes in this music doing what they're doing. And I want other people to know so that other people can be able to hear what you're doing, be inspired, and we can talk about, you know, different things in our music department, in our music industry that are issues or things that we need to resolve mm-hmm. and have more representation for people like you, you mm-hmm. know, so that people like me or anybody can be inspired to keep going. I remember when I first came into the music department, I didn't know what I was doing at all. I almost quit because I also kind of came from the same background. My family's amazing. They're so supportive. They always raised me around different music, mm-hmm. all, all the types of music. But like classical, I, I don't really have a lot of classical musicians or opera mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. So when I got to CSUN, that was it. That, that, that was all. And the music theory and everything. I was so, you know, I kind of, I guess, didn't really see a lot of people like me in like positions like you are. Mm-hmm. And now that I see someone like me, a Latina woman in, in a position that you're in, that... That inspires me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it inspires others. So what kind of advice do you have 
as a human being, we are always working in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And life is a wonderful school for that. Life is always giving you the opportunity to learn and to grow. Life is your teacher. Yeah. The one advice I would give to any woman that is in a position of leadership or in a position of changing things, because you don't necessarily need to be a leader to change things. Right. You can be a student. Yeah, or, you can work. Yeah, mm -hmm. any, anyone. It's just a, you have to have one thing clear in your, in your soul, and that's music. Mm -hmm. And you have to be super disciplined and study the score as you know the score, like you know your, the palm of your, of your hand. Um, Would you say that's the number one mistake musicians make if they don't study it enough or if they don't practice it enough? The, the hardest thing for a young musician is to learn how to practice, and especially singers, because you, your instrument is, is you and you have to eat properly, sleep properly, exercise, be emotional uh, as, as, as stable as possible, uh, take care of your everything, basically. That, so I think for a singer, the hardest is, is that learning how to balance all your aspects in your life mm -hmm. so you're healthy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. by the time you're on stage, you are strong. Remember, you're serving music. I love that. I love that you use that word, being a servant to music. Because mm -hmm. music is the master and you are there to serve it and be like a kind of like a social servant to the the people mm -hmm. that are listening to this. Yeah. And I know that sounds very idealistic, but uh, that take, takes care of the ego thing. Because yeah, your ego, yeah. Something that, let's, let's be honest, when you are in a position of power, of some power, even if you're doing your own recital, or if you're mm -hmm. in a position of power, mm -hmm. you're there, mm -hmm. it's very tempting to think about yourself. Yeah, and, of course. And because we are humans. And that's... What, when you do that, you take off the energy out of the music. Mm -hmm. And it's about you. Yeah, and, and, and that makes you a normal human being. <laughs> like, music is something so poor. And uh, you have to take care of music like a... Like it's your baby. Yeah, more than a baby. It's something like super... Precious. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes. Thank you so much. Thank I'm so happy that you are here um, on my podcast and that thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for inviting me. Be sure to check out Mercedes conducting her next operas, which will be Suara Angelica by Giacomo Puccini and Don Giovanni Ossia il Convitato di Pietra by Giuseppe Cazzaniga. Sorry if that sounded weird. My Italian's not perfect, but I would say that was pretty good. <laughs> These operas will take place at Cal State Northridge on March 26th through the 29th. She's also conducting Faust by Charles Gounod, January 25th to the 26th at the Madrid Theater in Sherman Oaks, and Tales of Hoffman by Offenbach, May 8th through the 9th at Santa Monica College. I'll also leave more information and links to tickets in the description. Tune in next week for Notes from Her's next episode. Follow the Notes from Her podcast at Notes from Her on Instagram and Twitter, and like Notes from Her on Facebook. Also, be sure to leave feedback and what topics you'd like discussed next in the comment section. You can also follow me, at Xochimilka, on Instagram and Twitter. Once again, this is Notes from Her, and I'm your host, Xochitl Hernandez. Stay musical and stay empowered. Talk to you next time!